I'll be doing a Bible reading from Romans 6, verses 8 till 14. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, we will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin, once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you must also consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to to God in in Christ Jesus. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God for those who have been brought from death to life, and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under law, but under grace." Thanks, Zach. Um, If you're getting a bit hot uh, and humidity, uh, as you know, our church has a wonderful ventilation system, um, you can actually at any point head up the back, stand near the fans. I won't be offended. Um, So please be willing to do that if you need to do that. And there's some activities there if you have a little one here still in the service. And if you have a little one and they're making noise, that's fine. We really don't mind, so um, it's all good. Uh, This morning, uh, we're coming before us as we gather on the Easter weekend, and we've got what's known as Resurrection Sunday. Uh, Now, I don't want to assume that I know all of you. I know some of you. uh, Some of you might be coming because that's part of your tradition, to come to a church service on Easter Sunday. I want to make some things clear straight away. One, we at this church do believe that Jesus was a real person and is a real person. We believe that Jesus is more than just a man, that he is the Son of God. That we believe that Jesus was literally and physically crucified, and he was literally and physically raised again on the third day. And we're joining with many brothers and sisters in Christ around the globe, worshipping our risen King. Maybe you're someone who's apathetic to all of these things. Maybe you're skeptical. Uh, Maybe you've heard it all before. Whoever you are, we pray that this morning, if you haven't already, you will continue to be stirred as we come before God's Word. And we believe the Bible is not just a book. We believe it is the very Word of God. So when we listen, hear it, consider it, we pray it's as though God's speaking to you through His Spirit. If you're a follower of Jesus... Uh, This is the moment where John already started, where I say, Christ is risen. Here we go. This means a deep, wonderful, powerful truth that we celebrate on this Easter Sunday. This morning that Zach read a passage to us, and this is a follow-on. If you were here on our Good Friday service, you would have heard the first half of Romans 6 uh, that Paul, not the Apostle Paul, a guy by the name of Paul Lewis, speak on the first half of this passage. Uh, He focused on how the cross causes us to die to sin and what it means to be set free from sin. And this morning, what I want us to consider is when it comes to the resurrection of Jesus Christ, so what? So what? With that in mind, would you join with me in prayer? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus, our risen King who rules and reigns, including to this very moment, would you soften hardened hearts, convict apathetic hearts, comfort weary hearts, 
Whoever you are, would you, whoever we are, would you consume our hearts with a glorious view of who you are and what you have done? Lord Jesus, I pray that you would take the glory for yourself alone. In your mighty name, I pray. Amen. I don't know if you've had one of those moments when you are talking to someone who does not know Jesus and they ask you, what is it that you believe? This is the moment for particularly people like me, this is the moment I've been waiting for. Uh, and I, I go to a place that I, I cut my hair and I don't really want to go there. It's pretty expensive, but I build a relationship up with this particular hairdresser. Uh, he's a Maori boy, so he's from New Zealand. Uh, he's an islander. He's a big guy. He's very friendly, gentle giant, I call him. And uh, recently when I went to get my hair cut, he said to me, oh, this is it. It's Easter weekend. And I said, yeah, it's exciting, isn't it? He goes, yeah. This, like, for a priest, this is like the grand final moment for you guys, isn't it? <laughs> this is what you've been waiting for outside Christmas. This is the other big moment. And then he said to me, well, you know, why is it such a big deal? Whoa, this was the moment. I threw through all my head, okay, Lord, what's the presentation I want to give? Which one? Okay, this is the background I know, so I went for this direction and I I thought I did a pretty good job in unpacking the good news of Jesus and why the resurrection is important and and so on. Uh, He looked at me and said, cool. And I looked at him and went, that's it? And he said, all right, so what else are you doing this long weekend? That's all he said. I don't know if you've had one of those moments where someone goes, okay, so what? That's great. What about you if you're a follower of Jesus? Uh, when it comes from Sunday, you have a one, come to a Resurrection Sunday service, you go on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and you go to work, you, in whatever season of life you're in, does the resurrection of Jesus still resonate into your heart and life every day? And that moment where my barber friend said, cool, in other words, he's saying, okay, so what? I don't know if this truth still shapes who you are and what you do in every aspect of your life. I know for me, in the very seasons of life that we all face, it's very hard to remember why Jesus' resurrection is significant and how that truth actually impacts all of us even today. The Apostle Paul is writing this letter called the Book of Romans. If you have not read it, I would encourage you, I implore with you, if you want to really understand what the gospel, the good news of Jesus means and the impact of all of that, I would encourage you to spend time unpacking Romans. Apostle Paul is writing this letter and he's unpacking the implications of Jesus' death, that Jesus' death has also ushered in this reality that true life is eternal life and it's only possible through him alone. But not only that, this truth, this resurrection truth, has implications now, today. That means that we can't just live as we please once we are confronted by this truth. That this very truth of Jesus' resurrection has implications for your life and actually shapes all of your life. Earlier on in the passages early, it talks about us being united with Jesus in death and resurrection, verse 5. The Apostle Paul is saying, hey, this is who you are if you put your faith and trust in Jesus. Your old self has died. And the implications of that is that in, from a Christian worldview, you have now discovered what it means to be truly alive. That you must die 
both spiritually and there's also the impact of death that even we face today. So when we look again, if you look with me in Romans 6, 7 to 11, this is what the Apostle Paul continues to say. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ is being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. We are being reminded, we are being told this truth by the resurrection of Jesus as much more than an historical event. It's an event and a moment that shows in a tangible way what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ and what it means to be truly alive. That truly alive aspect is when you and I put our faith in Jesus, when we put our trust in him. There's this biblical language called a transaction, a payment has been made. For you and I to be truly alive, someone had to die. Jesus Christ. His death was the only death that would truly bring you and I freedom from sin. When I say sin, uh, like my friend who's the barber, I don't mean just the odd swear word here and there or the kind of lifestyle that you choose. It's the very heart posture. And if you unpack this in Romans 1, it talks about it's ultimately saying, I'm going to worship myself. I will be God. For that disobedience, Jesus comes to the world. And he's the one who displays perfect obedience. He dies. So when we put our trust in him, uh, the imagery is we too have died. And earlier on, it talks about that imagery of baptism, that we've died with Christ and we've been set free from sin. And then in verse 7, it's saying that that idea of sin not having dominion over you, it's not sort of giving us a picture that you won't sin. It's that picture of how the sinful habit or influence will no longer have rule over you. It's a battle. It's a picture of someone who has been freed from slavery from sin. Now he's, he or she's under this new truth, under this new slavery, that is slavery to God. God himself has broken the chains that was once bound. We are free. Its domination is not over us. But it also means this truth and reality, and I'm sure you and I face this during the week, that enticement is still there and will still be there till our final breath. But God in his grace and mercy provides grace to us each day. And this is only because of the resurrection because of Christ. This picture in verse 8 of how we have died with Jesus, now we live with him. This is one of the most beautiful truths of the Christian faith. It is what actually sets the Christian faith from any of other faiths around in this world. Uh, it's, a, it's a language, what they describe as known as union with Christ. Now there's so much here in that very term, and later on in the year we will dig deeper on this particular topic one of my favorite pastors and authors and theologians by the name of Singler Ferguson put it up this way. It's up here on the scary. We are united to Christ, then we are united to him at all points of his activity on our behalf. 
We share in his death. We're baptized into his death. In his resurrection, we are resurrected with Christ. In his ascension, we've been raised with him. In his heavenly session, that is where he sits, we sit with him in the heavenly places so that our life is hidden with Christ in God. And we will share in that moment in his promised return with Christ, who is our life appears, we will also appear with him in glory. This is all because of Christ's resurrection. This is the implications of this. That we can no longer live for ourselves, but we have been joined, united with Jesus under his loving lordship. And you and I are experiencing those benefits when we've put our faith and trust in him. Not just one day, but even now, but also beyond our death. And verses 9 to 10 reminds us it's actually not on us. It reminds us of this beautiful truth. It's because of Jesus' work as the one who is willing to take on sin upon himself. But the blue beauty, glory is this, that because he is risen, he declares that he has defeated both sin and death. This is glorious, beautiful grace. It is all God's work. Amen? What comes before and what comes after is because of the truth that Jesus is risen. If Jesus had not actually physically raised from the dead, you and I are actually wasting our time this Sunday morning. You really need to leave. You should just go home. But not only that, there's a serious, more heavier truth. If Jesus was not raised from the dead, you and I would have no hope, no future, and the life to come beyond this. Jesus' resurrection unites us with him, ushers this reality that we are actually also no longer our own. We are now under the loving lordship of the resurrected one, King Jesus. And because of this, Nothing in our lives is our own. A man by the name of Abraham Kuyper, who's a Dutch theologian, who put it this way, there's not a square inch in the whole domain of our human existence or which Christ, who is sovereign over all, does not cry, mine. These are the implications of the resurrection. I recently had a great, wonderful conversation with a follower of Jesus And I asked them, what does Easter mean to them? And they said, Shabu, it's so beautiful that Jesus died for my sins. And I said, amen, amen, amen. But please don't just stay there. Continue the story that Jesus also declared as the resurrected one. He was raised again. And that means there's implications for you and I even today. Having Jesus be the Lord of our lives, friends, is much more than a ticket to heaven. It means that the very life that you and I lead and are called to lead even today, tomorrow, as you head into work, on all the way to Sunday, every single moment and breath, it's a wonderful reminder that we are now under his loving lordship because of this resurrection, that we are united with him. Have a look with me in Romans 6, verses 11 to 14. 
So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from the death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under law, but under grace. This is mind-blowing thinking. The Apostle Paul has been building up to this. He's explaining here that the very implications of Jesus' resurrection has implications for your everyday life. That we are dead. And he unpacked this earlier. But now, because of Christ, when we put our faith in him, we are alive in him, united in Christ. So then he says, don't let sin, because of this truth, reign or rule over your body. In other words, he's saying, listen, you are in the kingdom of darkness, of sin and death and Satan. That Christ has rescued you and now you've been transferred into the kingdom of light, of the resident king where Jesus reigns and rules. Now God calls you to present everything, your very body, as a living sacrifice. Uh, The language here is quite uh, unique. In verse 13, it talks about members. Uh, Talking about members of... um, When we talk about members and instruments, Paul's not talking about joining some sort of musical band, okay? It's a powerful reminder, really. I love the way one of the commentators puts it. We should present or offer ourselves... To God and our members, that's everything. Our eyes, representing what we look out, look at. Ears, what we listen to. Our mouths, what we say. Our hands, what we do. Our feet, where we go. Our hearts, what we love. Our minds, what we think about. Our wills, the decisions we make as His tools to fulfill His will. These are the implications of the resurrection, friends. Because as followers of Christ, we've been moved from death to life. This means we embrace this true life now. We don't actually live for ourselves. We live for Christ. Because now we belong to Him. This picture of sin not having dominion over you, it's a picture that we're no longer under the law, but under grace. When I said to this to you earlier, when is Paul saying we won't sin at all? No, I don't think he's saying that in this passage. What he's saying is sin no longer is your master. Your master is Jesus Christ. The resurrection truth reminds you and I that we're united to Jesus and one whose dominion over, uh, who Christ is dominion over sin and death. And there's a tension here, right? It's this reminder of, as we've talked about before in this church, this now and not yet. This reality that you and I are tempted with desires that come from within our hearts. But Christ says we are united with him. And he provides for the power of the Holy Spirit. In those moments of temptation to either flee or to cry out for help, or when we drop the ball, to run to Christ again for restoration and grace. It's a reminder of the resurrection truth 
is this picture of those controls and desires and now being changed day by day because of Christ and what he's done. And so you and I, each day, give ourselves over to Christ. Is that the way we think each day? A good mate of mine by the name of Shane, who uh, is a chaplain with the Australian Defence Force, uh, he was saying to me that uh, what he does every morning, uh, because he's the kind of that kind of personality, he gets up, he looks in the mirror and says, Shane, you do not belong to Jesus. So as he puts on his army clothes, these clothes remind you that you are not belonging to the army, you belong to the army of Christ. And Lord, as I use my hand today, use it for the glory of Christ. Lord, when I look, help me to look for the glory of Christ. He goes through his whole body, which I find amazing. I don't know how long it takes him to get ready. But it's a tangible picture for all of us. This is what it means to belong to Christ under his lordship. Because of his resurrection, we are in Christ. Friends, if you're exploring the Christian faith this morning, there's implications of Christ's resurrection. Whether you realize this or not, you are under the dominion of power of sin and darkness. Actually, you cannot better yourself to become a good person. It won't help. Even more importantly, the real sin is that sin in your heart and posture that says, God, I reject you. I want to be my own God. You and I were made to worship God our great king, and he invites you and I today to come not out of your own merits and your own efforts, but because of Christ's efforts and his merits because of grace. Jesus died for you. He was raised again on the third day. And when he invites you to be in relationship with him, I want you to know he's not asking you to join a club He's asking you to come under his loving lordship. That's all of your life. All of your life into your final breath. As you grow in Christ, you will see the beauty and wonder of this gospel, the good news. And through God's grace and the power of his spirit, your desires will grow to change. (laughs) And as Don and Alexi shared with us today, it could be for the rest of your life as you fight sin through the power of his spirit. If you are a weary, tired, exhausted follower of Jesus, and you are constantly condemning yourself over and over again, thinking that you have not reached the mark, dear friend, gaze at the resurrected Christ. It's not based on you. Christ has done the work. Be reminded of who you are in him. Embrace his resurrected grace today. My Christian friend, you who are tempted to keep trying harder and harder and harder to make yourself right with God, remember, this is only possible not because of you and what you've done, it's because of Christ. There's this beautiful truth that the Apostle Paul writes in Romans 1. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of 
God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. It's by faith you live, friend. Rest and live in that truth. Rest in the knowledge and knowing that Christ, when he declares it is finished, it is true, and as a resurrected king, keep coming to him. Yes, say no to sin, but rest in Christ's work. Followers of Christ, Christ is risen. He's risen indeed. We are a people living under grace. One of my favorite theologians and authors and preachers by the name of Martin Lloyd-Jones, on his commentary on this particular passage, said this, I have no time to waste. I'm longing for glory. I'm looking forward to it. I must press on. I must purify myself even as he is pure. I must prepare for the great day that is coming so that when I stand before him, I shall not be ashamed. If this is not the greatest encouragement to holiness and to sanctification that you've ever heard, then I despair of you. This is the New Testament method. Realize these things. They are true of you as a Christian. You are sure as you're going to stand in his, in his presence. You will see him. You will be like him. Your very body will be glorified. And as you realize these things, you will hate sin and all that belongs to it. You will turn your back upon it. You will resist it. You will resist the devil and he will flee from you. Your motto will be, blessed are they that do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. This is all because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, friends. Christ has made this possible. It's all because of him. Christ is risen. He's risen indeed. Christ has died. Christ is risen. And the reminder is Christ will return again. Would you join with me in prayer? Lord Jesus, we come before you and we thank you that you are a risen Lord. We thank you for this promise and truth. For those of us who know you, help us to grow in the more in the truth that we are in you. For those of us who are far from this truth, change our hearts to be confronted by who you are and what you have done. And even this morning we're reminded, Lord, death is still around. And so, Lord, we grieve, but we yearn for that day when death will be no longer. We yearn for that day when you return. Until that day, cause us to look to you always. In Jesus' name, amen.